welcome to Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about puzzle design in games. Before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Well, on this podcast, we like to talk about games, and uh, this one is going to be like a real, like, like real deep dive into into crunchy mechanics, right? Like, it feels like a, um, I don't know, I don't want to say a return to form, because that sort of implies that we've been off form, but just like back to basics, the a basics of some terms talk about. Yeah. yeah, return to our roots is a good way is a good yeah. way to phrase it. Yeah, so you know, puzzles in games. How do they work? What what what's the way that they function? Let's talk about it a little, I guess. Yeah, especially in the context of uh, kind of the modern era, buddy. When you were pitching this idea to me, I think you had like a kind of good setup. So what you you want to go through that again? Yeah, sure. Okay, so the other day, I'm hanging out in Discord with a bunch of friends. We are, we're talking, we're watching YouTube videos together, and then somebody mentions that they have, um, that they have an emulator, right? Um, and so then we're looking at emulated games, uh, and we're like, oh, you should play this, you should play that. And one of the games that we asked them to play, we were like, you should go play Pokemon Snap. So they load up Pokemon Snap. And you start Pokemon Snap in the very beginning, right? You know, you don't have any of your pester balls. You don't have your the the Pokemon food that looks like an apple um, to do to do any anything kind of along those lines. You just take your pictures, right? Um, but as we were as we were sort of going, we were remembering some of those little pieces to and secrets to the original Pokemon Snap. Things like knocking. Charmander in the volcano level into the little pool of lava, boom, out part pops a Charizard, right? Um, things like, uh, you know, throwing an apple at an electrode and getting it to explode in order to, you know, in order to capture a picture. I would describe these as puzzles in a way because, like, you, you know that a thing is going to happen. Um, you just have to sort of, like, learn it. And there's a lot of little secrets to Pokemon Snap that come from this process right um the, from encouraging you know using the poke flute to get pikachu to dance um baiting pikachu over to the surfboard right a lot lots of stuff like that there's a there's a million million sort of things along these sorts of lines i was also doing it in uh another n64 game that i was playing this one's yoshi story um so Yoshi's story is a platformer. You're playing Yoshi. Yoshi can eat guys or do whatever. Um, but there's a lot of little secrets to how Yoshi's story works where, um, you know, like there are puzzles to solve. There are areas of the map to explore um, that will give you, you know, uh, they will unlock levels. They will unlock further levels that you can that you can play on. Um they will unlock uh, special Yoshi's, right? Like there's a white Yoshi and a black Yoshi uh, that you can that you can pick up by finding their special eggs in your levels. Um, and those things are also sort of like little mini puzzles, right? And the way that you know about them is sort in the era that they were from, right? The late '90s um, was word of mouth, right? It was we rented Yoshi Story at the Blockbuster. I'm playing it and. The next day at soccer practice, I'm telling my friends I'm playing Yoshi Story, and somebody goes, hey, you should look at the bottom of the tower in level 3-2. There's a cool egg there that gives you a special Yoshi, right? That kind of a thing, right? Now, all of that is offloaded onto the internet, right? If you want to do any of that stuff, you can, you can do it on the internet. And by the way, I'm sure at the time people were doing this on the internet. I know that 1997 was still like 
the internet days, but like to a seven-year-old, none of us were using the internet along those sorts of lines. And I do think that there's a marked difference in the way that puzzles are approached right now in modern video games compared to the way that they are approached you know, they, they were approached back then. And it sort of keys into some of the stuff that we've been talking about recently. So I don't know. That was sort of that was sort of my pitch. That's sort of my my my, my lead in for where we're where we're headed. Yeah, no, I I think that's a super interesting topic. Especially because like Yoshi or not Yoshi story, um Pokemon Snap is a particularly weird one because it's kind of like a weird it's basically like a like a like one of those slow moving theme park rides that like has interactable <laughs> bits in it, right? And it's not like they are puzzles, but they're not like puzzles <coughs> in the classic sense. Where like you, you like, you're not always aware that there are things you can do, right? And that's, that's, that's yeah. the nature of a lot of video game stuff, right? It's like, you know, there's not there there are secrets, but like, um, it's not like you know, there's a thing that like there was especially in that era, there's things like four secrets here, right? Find you know, find all four secrets or whatever, right? Where there's a secret in this room. Right, it's a, it's it's a bunch of kind of like happenstance or know-how, right? Um, interesting part of this too is that that word of mouth thing you're talking about, right? Also, like, you know, had a lot of f- false stuff in it, right? Like this is like the classic, yep. like how to get Mew in uh, Pokemon, right? Like the short answer is you can't, um, despite like hundreds of rumors, right? Um, uh, and uh, and other stuff too, like the the other big thing I can remember about this is like stuff like basically one friend had the like Prima guide and that had all the information in it, and so that's how they knew about it or whatever. Um, and I, I think to your point, like the internet was definitely around, but I don't think it was one as like it wasn't as like access wasn't as widespread in '97. What, yeah, and two, yeah. I like you know. I I don't know when when you got really onto the internet, but I it took me a while to really like get access to the internet in a real way especially because like smartphones weren't weren't a thing yeah um the family computer right yeah. was a really common occurrence in sort of that era and learning and learning to do some of these things was about like kind of growing up with one centralized computer rather than everybody sort of having a personalized computer at all times yeah no that was definitely a thing right like early enough on right it was like you can't use the internet and talk on the phone at the same time so like any mm-hmm. extended internet kind of session was out of the question because also no one had cell phones and it was a light you know it was the landline or the internet and that's what you got yep. right um and like you said right like because it's the family computer right like i know the amount of stuff i could do on the computer was severely limited by like you know the games I could play, like, was limited by the fact that you know sometimes my mom needed to use the computer for like re- you know adult stuff right like yep. um yeah and like you know um even when we did have access to the internet, I had, like, no idea. Like, I, I don't know that you would have been able to – I don't know that I would have been able to, like, do a real search for anything, right? Like, these were the days before it felt like Google was around. Yeah, right? no, I mean – I'm sure just... Google was around, obviously. Um, um, Google came into existence when you were in, like, middle school. It was, like, 90. Was it really? Not, well, I should know this. Did you employ me? Um, True. <laughs> when did the Google search engine first debut? 1998. Yeah, okay. wow. Google didn't exist till 98. Yeah, exactly. And even after 1998, I don't know that I learned about Google in a real way until, like, maybe somewhere in the, two, like, 2001, yeah. like, middle school, right? Yeah, like, and, and a couple of years after. And, and for, like, for a while, that was still kind of, like, doable, but, like, you know, like, you were still competition for, like, 
ask Jeeves or like AOL yes. keyword search, right? Like, yes, um, AOL keyword searches. Those were commercials, right? Like yeah. AOL keyword, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, weird. God, weird to think about. Anyway, um, so. The, just on the just on the top uh, on the topic of like Pokemon Snap is a weird example of this. It's funny because I think of Pokemon Snap as a rail shooter, right? That's sort of what yeah. it is, right? Yeah, that's fair. You know, you are you are on rails and you are and you are shooting, but you're just shooting your camera, and it's sort of like an accuracy in a way, kind of like simulator. Like, are you getting good shots um, when you when you are effectively shooting your gun, um, even though it is again, uh, it is again a camera. But the thing is, is the puzzle solving na nature of it is built into the game. You need right. to figure out ways to get better shots in order to progress. Like, the progression is intrinsically tied to the photos you're taking, getting good points, um, and you need to get certain numbers of Pokemon, in or like different Pokemon, where it's like, oh, well, are you going to get a Butterfree, are you going to get a Pidgey, are you going to get a whatever, um, in order to, again, in order to progress. Um, and I think that's kind of like the puzzle-solving nature of it. And one of the interesting things about Pokemon Snap, by the way, is that I think a lot of the puzzle-solving in that game is not intrinsic to that game. Which is to say, if I were to give my dad Pokemon Snap, I don't think he could complete, complete that game. Because he doesn't yeah. know that a Charmander evolves into Charizard, right? He doesn't have sort of the, the contextual knowledge of having played Pokemon Red or Blue, and you just you understand the ways in which certain aspects of the, of the game work that they do because you have uh, the knowledge of what a Pokemon is, how it evolves, etc. Um, that Pokemon Snap does, does in fact rely on. But that's sort of a little bit beside the point yeah I, mean, I i think a big part of this too is like even if you have that context it's not like a lot of the puzzles in pokemon snap are things that you necessarily like will immediately recognize right like knocking the the Charmander chameleon into the fire or whatever to get a charizard there's like not anything in like the pokemon lore that makes you think that, like, that should be a thing that works True. Right, like that's like maybe a thing you get from context of this thing is walking around a fire pit. Maybe I can bonk him into the fire pit, right? Um, yeah. I think that's actually kind of key to kind of like the the broader discussion about like modern puzzle solving, right? We you were you were mentioning in the pre-show um, about how like you know something happens in WoW, right? Like he's a puzzle WoW. Like for instance, the Great Shellcon was a thing I did yesterday, right? Which is a boss in Theldrassus. Um, you can't fight him directly, and there's an NPC that gives you kind of a clue, but I'm like, I can't be bothered to figure out what this shit is, go to WoWhead, figure out, like, how to get there, right? I think yep. there's a couple of things happening there. One, I think this is why it's, and this is a way in which it's like Pokemon Snap, is that if the puzzle feels kind of, like, obtuse or a thing you can't reasonably guess, I think it feels less like a cheat to go look it up, right? Like, because um, the other the other thing I'm keeping in my head is the modern game Baba is You, which is a game yep. about which is a puzzle game. The whole game is puzzles. One, you go look up the answers, you kind of defeat the point. Two, everything you need to solve the puzzle is kind of explicitly in front of you. You just have to think about how to arrange it, right? Like where, like what the bait to get the great shell con is is like not obvious, and like maybe you've seen it in your travels somewhere, but like. And, you know, obviously someone does, and that's how, like, the, the community solves the puzzle. But it's not like that's, you know, it, 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 it's it's not like there's enough context there for you to really figure out, like, how to solve that puzzle, right? It's just... 
Yeah, yeah and I would argue that that's actually, in its own way, it's sort of fine, right? right? Because I do actually think that group problem solving is legitimate, and it's a yeah. real way that people interface with the game. So, for instance, there's another treasure in Dragonflight called the Hornswog Horde or whatever. Yeah. There's this giant frog that is in front of a, a cave. There is a notebook near that, that frog, and the notebook has really esoteric clues, right? And you eventually figure out, you know, like, I, I did this by doing exactly what you did. I went to Wowhead. I found, oh, there are three there are three items around the whole map, right? Not even nearby, just, like, throughout the whole zone that this, that this treasure is in. You click on those items. You bring them back to the book. You combine the items. You give it to the guy, and he and the, the Hornswog moves. You can go access the treasure kind of behind him, right? I don't think that's a good puzzle in a personal sense, right? In the way that in the way that a Baba Yu puzzle would be a good puzzle, right? But I do think that that's a good puzzle in a group sense, right? In the sense of a group of people in the WoW Secret Finding Discord, which is a real community that exists, right? They get together and they go, oh, okay, so they're talking about these three items. We have to find them. And somebody goes, oh, you know what? I remember coming across this, whatever it is, a bronze sword out in the world and I, and I could click on it, but I didn't know what it did. Right. And it's like, Oh, well the diary mentions a bronze sword, which is like, Oh, okay. And then, and then as these people are sort of crowdsourcing the solution to the puzzle, right. They can, they can then go put it up on, on, on Wowhead. I think that that's valid. Right. And I don't want to, I don't want to like, there's a part of me that wants to attack that sort of thing. Um, but I don't want to do that because I think that that's lame and uncool. Um, and uh, and I think that there's a lot of puzzle design in modern World of Warcraft as well as other titles, like right? Destiny's that, a that big, big big part of this. Yeah, exactly. Destiny is a big part of this. Um, I'm also thinking of like the 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 FNAF community, the Five Nights mm. at Freddy's community is a lot like this, right? Where they are looking for these sorts of secrets and Easter eggs in order to. I mean, the Five Nights at Freddy's sort of ecosystem really revolves around this sort of thing, right? This group lore as puzzle problem solving where you know you are finding these items and then you're plugging them into a thing later down the line in order to make whatever you want happen happen right um and i think that that's and i think that that's neat and i think that that's interesting um but it is just very different to what we have with with pokemon snap um so yeah, I don't know. I don't know where, where do we, where do we where do we take it from there? <laughs> yeah, so I, I think another part of this too is is um, kind of like what the point of the game is, right? Like with Pokemon Snap, it's kind of like if you went and just looked up how to solve all the puzzles in Pokemon Snap, you're kind of defeating the point of Pokemon Snap, right? Like, um, whereas it's something like Wow, you know, there's like a thousand different ways to play Wow, but like you know, if you just want to get like the horns, like. Solving weird environmental puzzles is not near the top of that list in any way, shape, or form, right? Like, so it, it doesn't feel as bad to go, like, solve those puzzles. Like, for instance, um, I occasionally do Wordle, right? Like, the, the, the now New York Times' own, own word puzzle. Um, and there are times when I, like, just can't think of a word that fits the clues I have. And so there's, like, a, a there is a helper that will, like, give you, spit you back a list of words. Um, that fit, like, the things you feed into it. So it's not quite like, you know, I went and looked up the answer because it's the same for everybody on the day, right? But it is kind of like, you know, I, I, I feel dirty when I do it, right? I feel like, you know, I, I, I try and persevere to the point where I, you know, where I, ha like, I'm, uh, where, like, I, I think of a word and, and go for it. 
rather than um, uh, rather than immediately feeding it into the the thing because at that point it's just kind of like entering inputs and outputs and what's the point right like I'm, I'm not really solving a puzzle I'm just like doing a mechanical thing um, similar thing happens a lot to me with world Dole, which is a similar game but it's like with countries of the world I don't know countries of the world nearly as well as I know words in the English language um, and so like there'll be like countries I'll try and like narrow it down and then like I at some point have to go to you know Google Maps and start you know fiddling around because I don't know where, say, Zambia is exactly, um, that kind of thing. Um, but it also feels like cheating, right? It's like, well, like, like I justify it to myself because, like, well, I don't know it, and I won't know it. I, I can't figure, like, I don't know, like, if the country's, say, in Africa, I don't know the geography of Africa well enough to kind of, like, guess my way there, whereas I might be able to do that with, like, parts of Europe, right? I played enough CK3 that I can usually get the Balkans countries, right? Um... Uh, but, um, because that's, like, the whole point of the game, it feels worse to look that up, rather than, like, you know, if this was, like, some game where, like, one of the clues is, like, and, you know, uh, you know, it's, like, enter this, the name of this, like, there, there's a country, that's the password, and, like, it spins up, like, the border of the country, and you're supposed to use that as, like, the password, right? Like, this is, like, an example of a puzzle I'm constructing in my head. It would feel less bad to go look that up, because, like, that's not, like, the whole game, right? Like, that's just, like, uh... A piece of it. Yeah, by the way, I'm doing world world doll right now. Uh, Shit's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's harder than I expected. Yeah. Uh, I got the country right next to it. What what the frick is this country? <laughs> what, what is today's world doll? Let me see. <laughs> We're doing it live on live, live on stream. Oh February sixth, world world doll. Um uh I believe I, I I feel like I know where that is. Oh, but um oh, do is it do do? I got it. I do know what it is. Um, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, I wonder if I can get I, I wonder most, if I can get there. God no. M mostly because I've been doing World Duel enough that so like after you get it, it asks you what are the neighbors. I like. My justification to myself about World Duel is, like, I don't know these things, so I should learn them, maybe. And so I've been doing it enough that, like, I, you know, I've started to learn some of the countries of Africa. Um, uh, they also have a state. Yeah, this is a, this is a particular country in northern Africa. I know I could go. It, it's fucking me up that I know I could go look it up. Um, and that I'm clearly getting all of the countries around it, but I haven't gotten it itself. <laughs> But I, I almost sort of it's think not, that this process wait, is is. Where do you I'm think sorry, it, what? Where do you think it is? You say what part of Africa? Oh man, am I wrong? Is it not northern Africa? No. Am I a fucking idiot? I guess I don't. Huh. Now I now I'm reconsidering everything. But interestingly, I think that this thought process actually kind of speaks to where or how. I like want to. Oh my god, it's West Africa, isn't it? Um, is that right? It's or my or it, my dingus. It is uh, on the western coast of Africa, but god. not a particularly northern. I part. should just I should just do one more guess, just to just to get it out of my system. Uh, what could what could it it, it couldn't be the Congo? The Congo is landlocked. This is this is clearly on a coast, I'm sure. Let's just go, you know what, Mozambique. Sure, let's find. 
Oh my god. Also right around right around there. All right, let's let's take a look. <laughs> no, Namibia. Okay. Yeah, okay. This actually makes sense. I am a huge dingus because I did in fact forget where uh where some of these countries were located. <laughs> yeah, no, before I started doing this, I could not like if you had told like if you had asked me like is Zimbabwe landlocked, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. Yeah, I don't think I would have been able to tell you either. Uh, yeah, I thought Angola and Botswana, which were the two that I got, were in northern Africa. Um, and then I guess I just sort of underestimated the amount of smile because I, you know, you got, I got seventy five percent of the way there with um, uh, uh, Libya and 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 Algeria, but yeah, I guess six thousand kilometers is quite a is quite a ways away, right? And that feeling of I kind of feel like a dingus, right? Like I kind of feel stupid um, for for having missed, you know, like having missed what this what this country was, right? I feel like that's part of what makes how puzzles work, right? Like when you are when you are doing wordle you get to the final thing you know that the word ends in r-u-e-l and you guess gruel when it is cruel or something like that do you know what i mean um and you're just like god damn it like i i can't believe i missed this right um or or something kind of like something sort of along those lines this is part and parcel for how i feel like uh we approach puzzle solving in 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 games right um and the ways in which um, I don't I don't even know how I want how I want to like describe this. It's just like the ways in which puzzles become game mechanics to to sort of solve, right? Uh, because I think that there are. I, I was doing a puzzle recently for an indie game that we're thinking about publishing, right? Uh, in in the puzzle, there's a flower. The flower has eight petals, right? You can click the petals essentially like a like a button it'll like it'll flash red for a second and then in a completely unrelated thing there is a um there is a a set of animals in a in a storybook and they all have a flower shirt on and one of the petals is red right and one of one of the, one of the eight petals and when you look at that when you look at that puzzle on its face you go oh okay so First, you first. I my first thought was I just need to click these these on, but it's not it's not a toggle. It's an order, right? You have to do them in order. It's like okay, well, from left to right, let's do them all in order. This this also this also doesn't work. Okay, well, then I realize there is an issue with one of the with one of the animals where in the story he's wearing his shirt sort of upside down, right? And the and the and in the story the the person tells them to flip it right side up. So you do the same puzzle but with that one input flipped up for down, essentially. Um, and, and that's it. And it's like, that's a satisfying puzzle to solve because it has sort of these build up these, this like build up of clues and information and this kind of like progression to figure out what's, what's like really kind of like going on. But I could also see people really get stuck on that puzzle and be like, oh, I had, I just had no idea. I have no conception, um, for, for why it's not working because they might miss that, that shirt flip clue or something along those lines. Yeah, um, and the interesting thing there too is that like all of that knowledge is like in the game, right? Like mm. there, like 
if you don't know that Namibia is a country, there is no way in hell that you're going to be able to like guess Namibia, right? In in Worldle, right? Like you, you yep. can't you can't deduce that, right? Because that's like an external effect. Also, before I forget, you said that the that uh, Congo is landlocked. Both the Republic of the Congo and the Democratic Republic of the Congo have small coastlines. Just want to correct you for the folks at home. True. Yeah, that is that is that is fair enough. Yeah, obviously that big uh, that that big landmass in the middle of uh, of the Democratic Republic of the Congo is. Like what? What I would think of, and I think what most people think of, um, but technically speaking, it has a tiny little, tiny little coastline. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, point being is 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 I think, um, I think that's like a, an interesting observation about like you know how uh, about like the 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 way that how how people can can interact with these 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 uh, these puzzles. Um, and I just, I don't know if a game like Pokemon Snap could work. I mean, I guess, I guess a game like Pokemon Snap could work today because Pokemon Snap exists and that like provides the fodder for like what, like how it works, right? Like, but I don't know if like a, a truly new game, like say, like say like Pokemon Snap, could like a new puzzle game that requires that kind of experimentation could work in a way that was like satisfying. Um, maybe it could. Like, I think you know, like, like, a, a new Pokemon Snap w couldn't work and wouldn't be satisfying. You're, well, you think? Well, it, it'd be tough. It'd be tough to do, right? Like, I think okay. a new, like a Pokemon Snap three. I think there's already a two, right? Would work because you know if you play the original Pokemon Snap, you already have the context for like this is how you get like stuff to work, right? Sure. But like, let's say that there's like another game that's like all these kind of like non-obvious puzzles or like the non-obvious puzzles are like a significant a big enough part of it that it's like central to the gameplay but like not entire entire to the gameplay like how do you like how do you make that work without it like being feel like being it's 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 like frustrating right like cuz the thing that's popping into my head is tunic right i i went on about this last week right yeah the puzzles of in that game are not a core part of the game, but they are built to be solved in the game. But they are also, like, so kind of obtuse and frustrating that at least I felt like I didn't want to go... I didn't want to, like, sit there and, like, stare at it until I could figure it out, right? But I also don't, like... But I also, like, was kind of aggravated about it because, like, it felt like I hadn't signed up for it, and it was kind of central to the way the game works. Like, something like like the Hornswog Horde in WoW, right? I'm not going to get aggravated about that because it's like a little thing, right? Like, I, you know, it's not like, you know, the the keys to defeating, uh, you know, the raid aren't hidden behind that kind of puzzle, right? Um, but in, in Tunic, like, the true ending is, and it's like a, an essential part of the game, even though that's, like, not the game I've been playing up until that point. Does that make sense? Yes. I think... I agree, especially because, you know, like I, I, I've had this I've had this experience a lot in the indie space. So like, for instance, the dark side detective, um, there's one puzzle in the in the the second game that is basically about just clicking the right pixel. Right. Um, there is a thing 
that is that is very small. You have to open a locker, right? You you go onto a certain screen and you open a locker, and on that locker is a flyer, and you click the flyer, and that is the key piece to progress you into the rest of the game, right? You can't go any further unless you unless you do that piece of the puzzle. Um, and um, and funnily enough, when I was doing this puzzle, it was before the game had come out, so there's no crowdsourcing, right? I'm essentially the first person, well, like, one of the first people to actually, to actually, like, go through the experience of doing this thing. The only thing that got me there um, was just, like, moving my mouse across the screen. I was like, what hotspots am I missing in this point-and-click adventure? And eventually I saw it. I saw the hotspot that said flyer, and I was like, oh my god, I've never clicked on this. Boom, that's it. That's, all. That's like, all you needed in order to get there. And I feel like there is something uniquely frustrating um, about the um, that nature of, of things, uh, which is, you know... Being being locked out of my of my ability to to progress because I'm failing on on like a deductive level this way, right? If I'm locked out of my ability to progress because I'm not comprehending the puzzle that the game is setting me up for, right? Which is you know, oh, you need to use the tape on on the knife in order to tape the knife to the baseball bat so that you can have this weapon to attack a demon or something like that, right? Like a very typical adventure game puzzle. I, I would understand kind of along those lines, but just like, I, I didn't I didn't see this hotspot on screen when I went to the screen and click it appropriately, like preventing me from progressing. That feels feels kind of uniquely, I guess, uniquely bad. Yeah, no, I mean, and that, this was a common complaint even before the internet age about adventure games. They were just like pixel hunts. And like the logic wasn't like sound, right? It's like use the rubber chicken. I think the, one of the examples is like, I think it's from Monkey Island. Use rubber chicken on the pulley to like slide down the rope right which mm -hmm. is like doesn't like make a ton of like it makes like like it's funny but it, like it doesn't make enough sense that you can necessarily intuit it yeah and it just quickly comes to like try like i when i was like a little kid i beat uh the old event lucas arts adventure game loom um and there were a lot of sections there where like i could not figure out what to do so it was just kind of like try everything on every yep. interaction point Right, like I remember very early on, one of the steps you need to do is like a cast open on the sky, and that like caused lightning bolt to hit like a, a tree, and that's like how you how you advance the next major part of the game. Um, but like it took me like I feel like I, I felt like forever as a kid, um, uh, but like it was just it was just like I ran out of things to do, and so I, and I didn't have any other way to advance. So you know, because you know, again, internet wasn't a thing, so I just had to try everything. Um, but I think that like. The ability to go look things up has kind of like killed that as a mode of play, if that makes sense. Um, because like there's there's no like if you get frustrated, you can go look it up, and then you can kind of get mad at the game for like this the puzzle being stupid, but at least you're not wasting your time. I don't know. I, I feel I, I feel like this, that's this is part of why like adventure games like aren't as much a thing anymore. Um, like they all have to have like some like real deductive element. You like the the closest thing to like adventure games that I think are like visual novels, which usually have something else going for them. Or like, yep. you know, like Return of the Oberdin, which is like a murder mystery. And uh, for one of the, for one of those, for like, I got almost all of the puzzle or all the the things solved in Oberdin except for one. And I thought it was like a, not a terrible, uh, a great clue, but I felt bad having to look it up. It's just like, this is the only one I can't get. And like, I'm looking at it. I just can't figure out what it's supposed to be, right? Like what, what the clues are supposed to be telling me, if that makes sense. Um, 
Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't know. Do, so, do do we have thoughts about like what makes a successful puzzle in in kind of the the, the modern era? So, I guess I want to say that it it requires a certain amount of intuition, right? Um, but I don't know that I could give. I it, it's it's tough, right? Yeah. So, for instance, in the Dark Side Detective example that I gave, um, that was a piece of the process that that game went on, that that game used in its development cycle in order to identify where to place hints, right? Um, so, for instance, uh, I'm pretty sure at that point of the of the puzzle, if you are kind of stuck there, um, you will get a hint that sort of points you in that direction in the in the way that like clicking on stuff will return sort of like random information, but like you can use the point that you can use that as a way to sort of direct the player and say, sure. you know, you should check whatever you should check flyers around the high school to see if anybody offers this service that you need. Right. Um, that kind that kind of a thing, but there's really no way that you can design for it. It's just sort of trial and error. And, we were, I was the trial or I was the error in that right. spot. Um, and you know, we needed to, and we needed to find enough errors in order to input right kind of protections in order to help make it sort of intuitive on, on sort of a group level. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the right way to, to approach that is, especially because it is really a fine line to walk. I felt great about figuring out that puzzle with the flower. Okay. I felt really good about figuring out that puzzle. I was like, Oh, I understand. I, I went boom, boom, boom. It, it hits the perfect kind of, I, I didn't get it immediately, which would make it too easily. Um, and I didn't get stuck on it. I just kind of progressed through the reasoning until I finally kind of deduced or induced, whichever one it is, um, what I, what I was, what I was supposed to do, but I am stuck on a puzzle in that, in that demo. And I have been stuck there for about 10 minutes and I just don't know. I just don't know where to go next. I just don't know how to, how to progress next. I found a compass. And the compass is missing the it, it has a there's a north, south, east, west, um, and then there's a little symbol near the north. And there's a corresponding shelf that has north, south, east, west, um, and the symbols, but the symbols on the compass are scratched off, or like it actually looks like it actually looks like the symbols are a coin, and the coins are have fallen off, maybe. But I can't. I haven't. I I just haven't figured it out. What the fuck am I supposed to do with that? I haven't figured it out yet. Um, and so, it is. It is tough to to really hit that sweet spot where you know you get the feeling of ah yes, I did it. I I I I I, I solved. I solved it, and I didn't need to. I didn't need anybody's uh, anybody else's help. I figured it out on my own. Yeah. No, I agree. It it, it is really hard to like. Hit that hit that spot and have it like land um, and work and work well because like you know I think Baba is You is a very smart game but I found the puzzles to be frustrating at times because I just couldn't figure out what to do right um, I have historically really enjoyed like say the Phoenix Wright games but there were times where I came down to like I guess I just gotta like try every option to see what to see what, what goes forward um, yeah I wonder if brute force is the correct sort of release valve in that way right like lower the amount of sort of options so that if somebody has to brute force an answer they don't spend eight thousand years on it right you know so for instance um, in a game where you have a combination lock maybe like a like a little roll-up lock or whatever can't brute force that 
Like, yeah. That that is maybe not a great puzzle, or at least a great puzzle to really challenge somebody, right? You can at least put it, um, put your answer in a way that is, you know, pretty obvious that you you would expect most people to get intuitively, right? Um, but in any situation where you're really asking people to dig for an answer like that, you are hard locking somebody who who doesn't find uh, that that sort of number key somewhere, you know, somewhere out there. Yeah, and I, I feel like if that's the point of the game, you kind of have to like like you kind of like have to be okay with that being how it goes i guess right because otherwise like you know what is an escape room game without you know puzzling over the different stuff right like the, otherwise there's no game there um yep uh, i think an interesting point of comparison is i've been playing a lot of god of war ragnarok recently a game that has been lambasted because the other characters will like give you like approximately three seconds to solve a puzzle before they start shouting the solution at you <laughs> um, um, I think they passed it to be less because I, I, I found it to be less. But like, okay. in the general case for me, the puzzles aren't super hard. I can generally solve them on my own. If I can't, at some point they'll shout something at me, and you know it'll work. I've been stuck a couple of times, but that's been like I have missed a, like a ledge to climb up on, right? Um, and that's and googling solves that, but like. <laughs> excuse me, that doesn't really feel that bad. That just feels like, you know, par for the course. Um, and I think, that I, but I I think it's easier to design puzzles in the space where it's not your primary gameplay loop because, like, obviously you've got other things you want to do, right? Like, you know, um, yep. it, it is okay for WoW to be this kind of, like, obtuse puzzle, like, or the Hornswog Horde to be this obtuse puzzle because, um... If I can't figure it out, I will go, you know, do a world quest or something, right? Or, like, run a mythic and, like, yeah. wait for somebody else to was, fall um, The Witness, I want to call yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, that was, the, that, that the, was the Jonathan like, Blow game. game. I never... I have never played it, but I, I it's it's on the it's on the list of games to play. You know, it is it is remarked. It's it has very positive on Steam, so I guess that's something. Um, yeah. Even though I remember at the time people being very frustrated with this with this game um I, and and the way its puzzles were designed part, part of that i think is uh, is that jonathan blow was kind of a blowhard and was like mm. you know game like violence games bad right like that like that that kind of thing right and um you know i th i think some people were i think some people were taking out their frustrations with jonathan blow on the game um but also like you know the game isn't going to be for everyone, right? Like, you know, it's a it is, it is the puzzle game ultimately, and I think it's supposed to be a little bit more. I haven't played it myself, like I said, but it's not like my understanding is the puzzles aren't exactly like like Baba is You is a straightforward puzzle game in that like what you have to do, like the steps you have to generally take to solve the puzzle, are in front of you, right? Um, like some of these games, there's an aspect of solving how to solve the puzzle. As yep. like a pre-step, which which I think can be particularly frustrating to people, um, especially if they don't know that's what they're getting into, right? Like, like Return of the Oberdin, the thing you are doing is like you know it, you know how you solve the puzzle is in front of you, right? Um, it's and so like you can derive all the things. Like I'm I'm not sure that like. The witness had that aspect to it. I'm I'm not sure. Um, there's also things where like puzzles are like not like 
the solution spells are not important enough that you need to get all of them, right? Like, in a lot of, like, like things like, uh, like these classic N64 games you were talking about, a lot of, like, the puzzles or secrets were things that would lead to, like, a power-up or, like, currency, right? Like, there's a bunch of puzzles in Ragnarok that just lead to, like, a chest full of hack silver. And hack silver is useful, but, like, at the end of the day, if I miss those, it's not a big deal, right? Like, um... Uh, yeah, I mean, this is something we talked about in um, in some of our tabletop episodes, right? Um, where, you know, I would talk about how I designed certain dungeons to have secret treasure hordes. And you asked me the question, you were like, is that part of, what was it? What's the total party loot thing? Like wealth by called? level? Wealth by level. You were like, is that part of the wealth by level, you know, denomination that you do? Because at the time, what I was doing was I was taking wealth by level and I was sort of dividing it up among the the loot for, for the dungeon, right? I expect that the dungeon, you're going to level up in this dungeon sort of thing. Here is the loot that comes with that, it, it equals about the wealth by level increase, right, um, down. Because that's one of the things that I actually think is poorly explained in a lot of, uh, I don't know, it's probably better in Pathfinder 2E, you know, D&D 5E now kind of thing. But at the time when we were playing Pathfinder 1, it was very poorly explained how to divvy out rewards to characters, right? Generally speaking, that that was something that was sort of kind of put really on the GM to to sort of figure out, and you could end up in these situations where you're giving characters really insane items because you're not you're not you know properly sort of vetting vetting their their worth, right? But one of the things that you that you asked was for this, um, uh, were what was I using the wealth by level? To, to inform these extra treasures, right? These secret treasures that were in a dungeon. And I and I told you, I was like, no, like the dungeon has 100% of that wealth. You will end the dungeon with 100% of that wealth. But I can't put a treasure chest behind a wall that you can make a perception check, an arcana check, and a, you know, um, I don't know, uh, uh, like, a, like a trickery check in order to like see that there's a false wall, dispel the illusion, and then, you know, pick the lock, right, in order to get what's in that treasure. I can't put some of that 100% of your wealth by level in there because it's so easy to miss and flub. And you have to make it into a world where you go, well, you failed the trickery check by five or more, uh, the, the lock, you know, snap, your lock pick snaps in the lock, and it is irretrievably broken. You're not going to be able to, to get what's inside. Sorry. Right. Like that kind of a thing. Um, and I feel like that is the only kind of fair way to include those sorts of sort of, um, uh, you know, like those sorts of rewards for puzzles that you have to build in the possibility that people won't be able to to make it to the other side on. Right. You have to you have to be able to move on from that without altogether losing losing that much, which I guess is what. Hawk silver, Hawk silver is in the in the you know God of War example. Yeah, yeah, it's you know it, it's it's just it's hack silver, right? Like you know, like chop, um, and it's just like it's it's just currency, right? Like it'd be like putting gold in the treasure chest, in yeah, in D and D. I mean, I think that's an interesting thing too because like, in you you need a way to signal that like you're missing some stuff, right? Like you know, like God of War Ragnarok has like a list of all of like your completion, and like can encourage you to, like, go find things, right? Even if, like, if you, you know, it's like, oh, you're missing a thing, go wander around until you find it. You can either do that or you can go look it up at your pleasure, right? I don't think it's a huge deal. Um, yep. But, like, in D&D, like, it's funny because in D&D, like, a completely missed chest 
is it like it's there's no like it's not it's not like an easy way to signal that you've like missed the loot other than like the gym telling me like by the way there was a treasure chest that you missed right like um and i think that kind of signaling mechanism is actually kind of important for uh for like for for it for the mechanics to work and for like like this is how like i think this is a big way of how it works like in video games right like i'm playing ragnarok i will see a chest up on a on a like on a ledge that i can't get to directly it's like oh i have to go figure out how to get around and get to it right and i know that that's there right um yep and i think that's like uh and like i've 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 been through that a lot right like sometimes i like go too far along it's like oh maybe i'll have hit the entrance later and i never do and so i have to track backtrack to find it and like pull the thing up but i think that that's like like a core part of the game that's easy to do in a video game it's not easy to do in a ttrpg but i think you kind of like need a way to do that right you need a way to be like you see like uh a chest behind like a portcullis that is like a frozen shut but behind it like you see like you know a door right and so you can give the players a way to like figure that out and i th i actually think talking that through that is that is an important part of puzzle design is like hinting at things that you can do in a way that like i bet you this did happen in pokemon snap you can tell me because you've played it more recently but like i bet you there were like things that happened in the background that suggested like ways that things could interact to like get you to maybe like do a thing right does, does that makes like oh yeah that is interesting and i bet i would agree i can't think of anything because i didn't play a ton of pokemon staff so i think that's definitely the case but it's not oh actually a, a better example of this would be like assassin's creed so when i was playing assassin's creed valhalla there are treasures on your map and those treasures are almost always a little puzzle whether that's a platforming puzzle, like you got to figure out where the entrance is, you know, and then you go to a window and you use, um, you could like shoot the 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 lock of a door from from the other side or whatever. So you got to figure out where to go in order to get that shot, and then you can walk around to the front of the door. But you see the door there, and you see the chest on the other side of the door, right, or the portcullis or whatever it is. Um, that's a pretty common thing. Ironically, I would actually sort of say that that was frustrating. In Assassin's Creed, um, it sort of um, the thing that was interesting about it was everything was a puzzle, and I and I kind of came to resent that. Right? It's sort of like if every puzzle, if, if every treasure chest on the map in World of Warcraft was the Hornswog Hollow. It's sort of what that felt like. Um, where you, it's like, God, you know, it might like. I don't even care what this thing is. It's gonna give me like a like a like gloves I'm never gonna use, but whatever. I just want to see it, right? And you go through this whole thing takes five minutes or whatever. And I'm sure that someone in the process was like, you can't just leave that treasure chest lying around. Make a little puzzle about it. Like put it behind this thing and make a little puzzle. And I'm sure some designer like kind of like did that. But at the end of the day, it kind of became frustrating because there was nothing that was sort of like easily attainable, right? Um, when I'm just riding through the countryside on my on my fucking horse, sometimes I just want to see a treasure chest and I just want to walk over and I want to hit the hit the button and boom, there it is, kind of thing, right? Um, but when when everything was a when everything was a was a puzzle, it kind of got on kind of got on my nerves, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, no. in a weird way. I, I totally get that. That, that. that makes that makes total sense to me, right? Like you want, I feel like in order for the puzzles to really hit, you need to have like some stuff that's like not a puzzle, um, or you know maybe mix yeah. mi mix it up, right? Like make it a combat like, zone or something. Yeah, like in WoW, you have treasure chests for um, you know like these expedition scout packs. You have these little disturbed dirt 
you know, things if you have a shovel for it or whatever. Um, those can sometimes be a little hidden, right? They can sometimes kind of be like hidden under a bush um, or some scenery um, or, or kind of uh, or whatever else. Um, but there are also plenty of them that are just normal. They're just right there on, on their face, right? And you don't have to make a whole like a whole thing happen in order to in order to fly down on my dragon and get it. Speaking of which, can you make the sturdy shovels? I might send you some work orders. Yeah, I can make sturdy shovels on Baron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, let's go. Um But yeah. Um Yeah, no, I mean I I I think that's like gotta really be a part of it, right? Is like fitting it to like the expectations of your game, right? Like Assassin's Creed Valhalla is um, probably not mostly about assassinating at that point, but, like, you know, either assassinating or, like, combat, right? And, like, doing the puzzle solving is, like, a secondary thing. Like, I think God of Ragnarok, God of War Ragnarok is good at kind of, like, striking that balance. Like, there's some puzzly aspects to it, but most mostly it's just about, like, you know, running around and fighting stuff um, and, like, yep. doing the story beats. And eventually, you know, and you know, there's satisfying bite, bite-sized chunks in the in the minute and, you know... Uh, yeah, you'll you'll eventually get get back to it. Um, but like, I feel like if everything was super easy, right? Like, if it was super easy, like in Baba is You, or rather, sorry, if Baba is You was like super easy the whole time, it wouldn't be a fun game because like that's the whole point, right? The the point of the game is to be like mind-numbingly frustrating because like that's the challenge, right? Like if you could do it off the bat, then it wouldn't be a good game. Um, yep. Yeah. Do you have any further thoughts on this? Uh, do I have any further thoughts on this? I don't know. I feel like we've we've about covered it. We're kind of at the end of yeah. uh, we're kind of at the end of it. I just I don't know. I was just an interesting sort of thing I was noticing when I was going back to these these uh, these these retro games. They I maybe just a transition into you know weeks. Um, going back to some of these N sixty four games is kind of a fucking trip to be honest with you. Um, I forgot how small the aspect ratio is, right? I, you know, not just in the sense of we're playing on four by three instead of 16 by nine, but also in the sense of we're playing at like 240 P rather than, you know, whatever. Right. Do you remember when 720 used to be high definition? Yeah. 720 yeah. was like high definition. Then you got 1080p kind of like re remade as, as high definition. God, like what a weird what a weird world. <laughs> there, there is definitely, I know, I know, and you can, like, see, like, go, like, look up simulations. But part of it, too, is that, like, when TVs were still predominantly CRTs, like, that did interact with, like, the the art in a certain way to, like, make it look less bad. Um, I, I don't know, like, the, the exact scientific reasons behind it, but, like, you can, like, go look at people who's like, this is what it looks like clean, and this is what it looks like with the simulated CRT over it. And it, like, definitely, like, makes it look slightly better and i think it's kind of like it's you know that happens with everything though right like occasionally they'll play like footage of like an old football play and it'll be like jesus christ i can't even like see anything that's happening on the field right like it's you know because it was recorded in low resolution um yeah yeah um, weird yeah, very yeah. weird going back to it though i do quite enjoy the experience of of coming back to especially yoshi's story i kind of forgot um, there's a lot of little stuff in Yoshi's story that is, you know, fun. There's just like fun stuff in there. Um, when it comes to, I don't know. I like, I, I, it's probably one of the only platformers that I have beaten 
um, you know, like I've, I've gotten all, however many, um, I've gotten all the way to the end of, and kind of like beaten the final boss. Um, but it's funny how like a boss fight in the original, in Yoshi's story was a guy goes invisible and he, and you see the little shimmer of him moving. And I immediately understood what was happening in the boss fight, but because the resolution was so garbage, I was like, I can't fucking see shit. I'm playing on my giant TV, right? I was like, where the fuck, where, where is he? And it's like that kind of thing actually sort of works just because of the nature of the low resolution. That makes sense. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember not being able to figure out how to get past those elephants like the first time I played Yoshi Story because I feel like I was like in like late elementary school maybe. Um or uh, maybe it was maybe it was even like middle elementary school, but like yeah, the, it's the little elephant with the with the stop sign. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. The answer is you ground pound and then jump over them. Uh, but it's actually kind of hard to make that jump work. Yeah, I mean it's it's also one of those things where like, um, I think I think when I got I like rented it from Blockbuster, and that doesn't come with the manual, right? So I didn't even know you could ground pound, which I think was the was the issue. I I like remember printing things off of GameFAQs to like play games to, to play with games like i just didn't you know like that was like the the the, the early kind of like, in those early kind of like word of like that's still kind of like i think like world of, word of mouth era uh era right because like even though it's like guides on the internet it's still just people talking about it right and it's not like they're authoritative sources right it's not like you know every time i google something that i miss in god of war there's like four different sites that like have some like person professionally quote unquote doing it right like writing up how to actually solve the the stuff um <coughs> rather than game the you know game faqs was still still felt like a like a rumors era type thing um yeah um yeah but so i i guess what else did you do with your week how was your week uh man what else did i do you know just some 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 normal straightforward Playing World of Warcraft, playing Hearthstone. Uh, the new thing that has actually been kind of funny is uh, in Hearthstone is so there's Hearthstone Classic, right? Um, when Hearthstone went to a yearly rotation of its standard set, right? Um, the you, people bought classic cards, and those cards are no longer usable in the main game. So what they did was they created Hearthstone Classic. And what Hearthstone Classic sort of says is you can, you know, um, uh, you you can play with the the very base set that Hearthstone launched with in twenty whatever it was 2014, 2015 kind of thing. Um, nobody the that game mode was fun for a while, and people were into it, but nobody really stuck around and eventually it got taken over by bots um and then people were like, "Oh, this game mode is completely taken over by bots. You can hit legend really easily just by be like being a reasonably good player and playing and playing against these bots and I remember playing o g control warrior with my with my classic deck and I was like can i can I play?" A control warrior deck against like you know these these dingus bots or whatever and, and, and like get to legend and the answer is sort of no by the time it blew up i was actually facing a lot of humans but i was able to play control warrior and it's glorious i i all i want is a good control warrior deck it's the only thing i want i spend hundreds of dollars on hearthstone over the course of a year or whatever 
you know, because you buy the you buy the sixty dollar thing every time. That's a, that's two hundred bucks by the end of the year, basically. All I want from for my two hundred dollars is a good control warrior deck. The only time that game is 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 truly ecstatic for me is when I'm playing a good control warrior deck. All other decks pale in comparison uh, to to a good control warrior deck. There's some interesting stuff happening in the meta in Hearthstone too, which I thought was uh, which I thought was really neat. Basically, there was a one. Um, there's one card that was basically a zero mana three five with rush. So a zero mana three five hits the board. It was in rogue, um, and it was taking advantage of sort of a, a a unique interaction. Basically, there was a rogue card that said um, you start the game as another class until you play your first rogue card. Um, you play a rogue card for the first time, right? So you start the game as a mage, you start the game as a, as a hunter, you start the game as a warrior, whatever. But then you play your first rogue card, and it's like, boom, mask, mask off. I was actually a rogue the whole time. Very tricky, very flavorful, right? Um, the card is like a 3-2. You're running a, you're running like a river crocolisk, basically. Uh, maybe it's a 2-3, I don't remember. Um, in order to, in order to like activate this, this effect. But there's another card in the game called um, Wildpaw Knoll that says for each... For each card from another class you add to your hand, you reduce this mana cost by one. It starts at five, right? Well, the thing that was happening was a rogue on turn one draws a card, but they are not a rogue. They are a shaman, let's say. So when they draw their rogue card, they're reducing the cost of Wild Paw Knoll, right? Um, and so they were doing some trickery to basically get this thing to cost zero. And it was acting as their sort of board defense for the whole deck, right? Um, you would keep your knolls in the mulligan. You'd get your knoll out, turn turn two or turn three. Whatever early initiative a deck got onto the board would just immediately get blown out um, by by these wild pawed knolls that would, like, even if you got past them, right? Like, it's trading two for one. You're investing resources. It's slowing right. you down enough to kind of, like, get into, get into it sort of its, its winning position, which is really neat and really interesting. Um, and... That, that interaction eventually got changed where it basically says non-rogue cards, right? So it is meant for the traditional Burgle effects, which is add a, add a card from another class to your hand. Um, and, uh, and, and it is triggering off of, you know, it's triggering off of those effects rather than off of um, the effects of, you know, um, the, the effects of my, the, the Maestro drawing these rogue cards, putting them in your hand, that kind of a thing. Um, this actually opened up the game to be incredibly board centric all of a sudden because this one this one nerf has actually made it that fighting for the board and establishing a board in turns one two and three is actually like incredibly important now and so all of these kind of aggro decks that have been more or less sort of like kind of pushed out of the meta and we were kind of in the, like a mid-range kind of combo place where there's a lot of like damage from hand now now unholy death knight which is like a token sort of like swarm the board lots of lots of uh refill strategy like all that is, is sort of taking off. Funnily enough, Enrage Warrior is, is taking off. And Enrage Warrior is a is an interesting deck that I that I've been playing because against it, it, it's you would call it mid-range in a traditional sense because against other aggressive decks it tends to play slow, which is 
it's focused on trading and removing the opponent's board, and then you tend to sort of blow them out with value in in turns like six, seven, and eight. Um, but against uh, control decks, you're playing aggro, you're playing aggressive, and, and you're getting a lot of stuff on the board. And there is ridiculous damage from hand in that deck. Um, in a way that if that deck was ever good, people would fucking complain about it so hard. I have blown people out from like 17, 17 health just by using you know, charge minions and, and stuff that, uh, you know, is, is not traditionally like capable to sort of be, um, to sort of be play around, but it's actually really fun and really interesting in, in this metagame. Um, uh, we're expecting a, we're expecting a mini set in the not too distant future. And I am, I'm hoping to God that it just gives some interesting, compelling control warrior tool to sort of close out, uh, to sort of close out games. My my hopes are not all that high, but but we'll we'll sort of uh, we'll come and see. Um, but I don't know. That's that's where I am in my in my Hearthstone in my Hearthstone career in my Hearthstone life. Uh, what uh, what have you been? What have you been doing? What have you been playing? Um. So, uh, some WoW. Um, I've finally gotten to the point where like, I'm. Less like I'm not like just kind of like jamming out it every day uh, anymore, which is still which is yeah. fine. I'm like playing like I'm in kind of that like holding pattern. Um, uh, what else? Um, the trade. We should maybe talk about the trading post stuff. This is like this is the first. Oh yeah, yeah. sure, sure, sure. Um, uh, wh where where do you fall on the on the on the trading post? Have you like enjoying it? What do you think? I think it's neat. Um, but it's buggy as shit. Like today, I finished my trading post. Um, I have not gotten them out. Um, and this is vaguely aggravating me, but, like, you know, it's six days into the month, so I'm sure they'll fix it. Um, and, like, I continually had issues where, like, I would open up the trading post journal, and they would say I had no progress, and then I'd do slash reload, and it would show my, my progress. Um, I am a little bit aggravated that, like, if, if, like, you, like, it feels like I should be able to, like, keep earning credits past the thing. I guess that's the part of the point, is that you can't get everything, but it's, like, you know, there are things I want maybe out of this month's rotation that, like, I can't afford. Like, I can't get enough currency to afford. Um, I can freeze some of them, but, like, there's there's also this thing in my head where it's like, oh, shut Like, I don't particularly like the mount, like the like the celestial horse mount. Um, but I froze it initially just because, like, it was like, oh, well, that's the high value thing. That's the thing I should be saving for. But maybe I won't. Maybe I'll freeze something that I, I like a little bit better, but, like... I don't know, there's some neat stuff in there. Um, there's some, like... I don't, I don't mind the mechanics so much. I just... I don't know. Do, 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 you, do, you have, do you have thoughts on it? My orientation around the trading post is probably different than a lot of people's. Um, just because I don't see it as... I, I see it as essentially login rewards. Um, probably the fairest version of like a daily login reward that I, that I can think of, but it's not daily, it's monthly. Right. Um, it's sort of in my head, the, here's what, here's what I think happened. Somebody went to the wow room and they were like, we need a good reason for people to log in and keep their world of Warcraft subscription during a content drought. What is something that we could do that would, that would provide that? And somebody went, why don't we create this special shop? That uses in-game currency that like you can only get by doing in-game stuff. Can't buy it or whatever. Um, but it's monthly. It rotates. It rotates every month. It's not hard to max it out, right? You can do it in a day if you are like really kind of like focused on it. But it does rotate out. Like the stuff in it will rotate out. So if you miss a month, 
you know, like you can still get that stuff a little bit later down the line, but there is that incentive for you to get online um, and play and play your game. Maybe an even more chair that, that even that sort of has elements of sort of like FOMO um, in, in kind of in the in the incentive structure, like fear of missing out or whatever. Which is sort of a term that I that I hate in in like regards to it, um, but um, maybe an even more charitable reading of it would be to say I, we wanted to reward players who do have that you know who do have that consistency um, and who are you know sticking with us during the content thread. So we're doing this special thing just just for them. That's kind of like the the best case sort of scenario. Um, I don't think a lot of players look at it that way because I think players it dissolve like like ingest this information in frankly pretty poor ways. Uh, so for instance. There is an achievement. Oh, okay, one of the first things that was data mined when it came to the trading post was warden armor, right? Wardens are important characters in World of Warcraft lore. Um, Maya of Shadowsong is, is a warden. She was a featured character in Warcraft 3. There were, you know, heroes in, in for the Night Elf faction um, in Warcraft 3. Uh, we have seen warden armor in-game before because wardens were a big piece of the Legion story, um, but no one has been able to actually wear warden armor yet. Then... The trading post hits the PTR, a bunch of data mining happens, people see the warden appearances are tied to the trading post. And everybody goes, yay, I'm so excited for this, right? A couple weeks later, right, because this is all on PTR, this is all PTR data mining, you can't access it, you can't see anything. A couple weeks later, the trading post actually goes live on the PTR and people are understanding how it works. And part of that is an achievement that says, you know, visit the trading post once a month, you're, you visit the training post, you know, 12 different times, right? Which essentially means visit the training post once a month for a year, right? And people start losing their fucking minds, right? Because, uh, and, and tied to that achievement is the Warden Armor. I'm excuse me. People start losing their fucking minds. Because in their heads, what they saw was, oh, the Warden Armor is going to hit the hit the training post. Now they're like, Wait, what? It's go I have to log in once a month for a year. I'm not gonna be able to get this until until next year. This is bullshit. I'm angry, and there was like a whole fucking controversy around this thing. But the, but the 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 bottom line of that controversy, the reason that controversy existed, is entirely based off of people coming to incorrect conclusions about the thing from the data mining. Right? They kind of convinced themselves of what it should be and when the thing doesn't meet their expectations because it's being explained properly for the very first time um you know that 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 becomes like a weird and sort of like a frustrating experience and i think that core experience has kind of trickled into a lot of the discourse that i've been seeing around the trading post people are mad about the you know the the fact that things rotate that you can't buy out the shop every time what if i want everything in the shop um you know, people are people are angry that you can't earn more than just kind of the max allotted um, amount, and I sort of feel like that's sort of against the point, right? It feels to me like the point of the trading post is you don't have to farm for it; it just you just kind of naturally get it. I didn't farm for the trading post tenders; I just played the game. I was completing world quests. Boom! Here's 200 tenders. I I did some mythics this week. Here's 200 tenders, right? Um, and this is in the first week that it's live, right? Are they are they um, actually the next, called tenders? Yeah, yeah, they're called traders tenders. <laughs> tendies. Yeah, yeah. Good boy points for the tendies. 
yeah. Uh, you know, listen, it's, it's that episode of Community, right? The the chicken tenders. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh, God, what a good episode. Also makes me want to eat chicken tenders so bad right now. Um, but, yeah, so I definitely feel a lot of those conversations. I, I think you're right. I think it is based on FOMO, right? It's supposed to, like, you know you it's it's rotating right like it's, it's rotating you have to get it and you can't choose everything so you have to choose your stuff and you have to keep coming back because maybe the thing that you wanted that you couldn't get like you know your fifth favorite thing that you couldn't afford right like it'll come back right like at some point or like your sixth favorite thing is the fifth one you froze or whatever but if you freeze something and uh you 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 don't buy it right like or if you freeze something that means it's something you have to buy with currency later that you can't get you know, next month, right? Like, you know, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I would, like, to me, it's not FOMO. Um, I do think FOMO in stores like this is bad, which is frustrating, right? Um, so, for instance, I don't like the way that Fortnite does, does a rotating store because there's no guarantee that anything is going to come back to it. But we know that stuff is going to rotate back into the trading post, right? Which makes me feel like it's okay. It's not really FOMO. It's just you just check in every once in a while. It'll it'll come back. Um, it'll come back in kind of the the rotation. When something is, you can only get this thing by doing this thing this way, like this season or something like that. Um, uh, like you can only buy it while it's in the store this season. That's when it bugs me, right? When it is, I can only get it for the next five days. Otherwise, after that, I'm, I'm, I'm like, boned. That sucks. The only the only way in which I, I think that that's permissible is when it is an achievement marker, right? So, for instance, K, KSM mounts, I think, are good FOMO in the sense that I have the KSM mount from, for every season for Shadowlands, for instance. So, well, it's because I put the work in, right? right? It's, I, was, I was there. I, I geared my characters. I learned the dungeons. I completed, you know, I completed this thing that is not trivial to do and... I got my my mount reward from it. I'm sorry that you missed out on that, but you deserve to miss out on that because you did not put in the, the like the time of the effort. Sure. The missing out of I did not spend fifteen dollars is bullshit and unfair, and I think that's super lame and super dumb. Um, so yeah, I guess, and and then also the freezing thing is kind of interesting. I feel like that's pretty useful in terms of like being kind of consumer friendly right yeah. um but i also don't uh i don't know i don't know how i feel about that uh i haven't i haven't really like thought too much about it i guess you know what maybe it's not more complicated than that maybe it's just like a, a neat little thing to be kind of consumer friendly yeah I, I mean i i think you hit the nail on the head though it is definitely to get people to kind of like log in once each month right to see what's yeah. on the list see what's on the list uh, in the chat, Lou says, um, I think it's way too easy to complete with pretty much zero effort. I maxed out within three hours of play. Um, I don't think that's an issue if you have reasons otherwise to play. I think you're, like, I think it might feel bad is if, like, let's say I'm on a month-to-month subscription. It's like, you know what, I'm not going to play in March. My, my raid group is already down heroic. There's nothing really new for me. I'm going to, like, put it aside and, like, you know, go play something else, right? Um, I don't know if, like, it's like, all right, I'll play for March because the trading post is there. If it was more substantial, it might, might feel like a little bit more worth it to keep it, right? Like, even even if it's the same reward, it's like, oh, I had to, like, put some effort in to get the thing. Um, but on the other hand, if it's, like, if it's easy, it's like, well, you know, it didn't, like, you know, I could still play the other game, right? Like, I, you know, I just kept my subscription up. But at the same time, it kind of feels like you're paying $15. Like, if it's so trivial that it's, 
like you know it's mostly like logging in and doing like trivial stuff that does feel kind of feel like you're paying fifteen dollars for the trading post which I don't know this is, this is an interesting thing because like what if we approach this the opposite way around what if like wow was free and like you had you fifteen dollars just got you the trading post which isn't quite the right scenario but like I, don't know. I think WoW gets a lot of goodwill by the fact that it came from an era where $15 a month was expected, and now it's, like, adding things on in an attempt to kind of, like, almost reverse catch up with, like, freemium games that do a lot, like, that, that you know, that have, like, optional monthly services. Like, you know, that they kind of, like, are trying, like, to have those daily login bonuses type deals. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. And and I, that that's sort of, I don't know, that's kind of, like, sort of where I'm at. Um, mostly, it seems... Like a huge positive in terms of collection, which is something that I really like. Yeah. Um, I think that WoW for a long time, um, you know, it's been it's been a little bit frustrating if you're like a, like if you're someone who likes having a lot of alts, who has likes having a lot of appearances, um, um, who likes collecting a lot of these things. I don't think the game serves you all that well. Um, there's not a lot of Super, you know, like there are like the tier. There, there, there's a lot of expected stuff. The tier sets, the weapons from the raid, or whatever. All, the, all that stuff is sort of fine. Um, but I'm frustrated, um, especially like as a Mythic Plus player, right? Um, and I've explained this before. Getting the same appearances out of my dungeon cash from, you know, Mythic Zero all the way to Mythic Plus twenties, right? The fact that I'm doing twenties should give me better appearances on my armor, and I'm not getting that. And that's it's like a that's that's something that, that pisses me off in a way. Um, that said, uh, there's also a piece of this that I think is, um, you know, out, outside of the the context of like being a Mythic Plus player, but like being like a role player, right? Uh, being able to find really unique appearances, set up transmogs for those for those unique appearances, having having a sort of system in game that is dedicated to those things in a better way than like, for instance, Trial of Style would be pretty close to this. Um, it just feels good, right? It feels good that there is this unique uh, weapon model for the Fury of the Fire Lord, this flail, right? Like that's just like a a neat bespoke uh, model. There's that ensemble for the pirate gear. Um, that was like NPC pirate gear, but has now been made sort of PC gear. Um, there's that ensemble for um, the the hood and the cloak that includes like the little chest piece or whatever. That's like a really neat armor effect that we haven't really seen in in WoW yet, but it's in there now and it's on the it's on the trading post. So I think from that perspective, it's something that I enjoy quite a lot. It's something I enjoy quite a bit. Mm. Yeah, I, I see that. By the way, that um, like the model for the flail isn't quite unique. Um, there's a null flail in, in the game, um, that I actually have that I enjoy quite a lot. Right. That's true. I do remember. It's, it's in somewhere I in the Azure span this. because yeah. I have been waving it around. I, I, I like it because it's got like physics in it. So like, if you like spin, if you like jiggle your character back and forth, the head actually like flops around. Um, so I've been enjoying that, but, uh, but yeah, um, so yeah. I mean, like, it's been out, the, the, the PG's been out for less than a week, and I maxed it out, and I wasn't trying super hard, like, I did go and, like, fish, 50 fish up to hit one of the points, and, like, locked into an alt to, like, drink the seven-day poison, because I didn't want to uh -huh. deal with that, um, uh, but yeah, um, so, actually, a question, did, after a discussion last week, did you try Marvel Snap at all? I didn't, I should have, but I, yeah, you know, I didn't, yeah. Um, I've been, um playing that in between things it's good fun um 
How, how have your locations been? How have your random random locations been treating you? Are you getting screwed over? <laughs> so locations-wise, not so much. But earlier today, I did have a moment where someone pulled a Killmonger out of, like, a random effect. And Killmonger kills all one-cost cards. And I was running my Weenies deck. And it just, like, totally, like, fucked me in the game. It's like, oh, fuck this. Um, one of the few times, like, it's like a retreat time, right? Like, that's why I think the retreat mechanic is necessary in that game. It's like... He plays Killmonger, he kills all my shit, and then he snaps. It's like, no, I'm, I'm leaving. Fuck you. Right? Like, you know, yes, you did a great job. You, like, totally neutered my deck. But, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not fucking, <coughs> excuse me, sticking around for this. Um, uh, I don't know. I find Killmonger to be frustrating against the Weenies, because it's like, it feels like there's, like, it'd be weird to run Killmonger unless you were, unless, like, you know, you were anticipating a lot of people running a bunch of one-cost cards. Um, well, maybe it's just value in the fact that, like, most people are running some one-cost cards at some point and are probably playing at least one of them in your game. Um, but yeah, um, I bought the Season Pass just because, like, um, it's not, it's not like, you know, other game Season Passes where, like, you accelerate your development by having it, right? Like, it's just, yep. like, I had, I was at level 47 before I bought it, and I was like, well, I'm basically already here. Uh, and I played it enough that I didn't feel too bad about giving them ten bucks, so I did. Um, uh, not so sure, like, the value is there, but I was glad I did it just because, like, just to see what it was like. Um, the big, the, my big pull out of it was um, the alt art for Kazar, because he's, like, the 4-4 that, like, gives plus one to all of your weenies. Um, to all your one-cost characters, so, like, that's central to my weenie deck, so that's been good. And there's some interesting cards there, right? Like, you get, like, um, Storm, which locks down a location... Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a good time. Um, I also finished season four of Community. I forgot that it was, like, a half-size season. Um. Yeah, I think they're all half-size seasons from now on. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I definitely enjoyed, uh, like, I enjoyed it more as the season went on. I think the, the, the that level, you know. I forget who the showrunners were in that season, but, like, you know, famously not Dan Harmon. Um, I think they, they started to, like, hit their stride towards the end of the season. Um, like, I think that, uh, what was the name of it? Like, the, uh, the body switching, like, the Freaky Friday episode, I thought that was pretty good. Um, yeah, oh, I love that episode, actually. I think that episode is really clever. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, like, I thought the, uh, uh, the f season finale missed a little bit, um, uh, but uh, um, and I don't know how I feel about the the kind of like crossover episode, like the you know the hero the heroic origins where everybody turns out to have been connected uh, in their past. I don't know how I feel about it. But I thought it was a neat idea. At least I'm not so sure they landed it, but you know, like I said, I think they were really hitting their stride toward the end and. Well, I'm glad that it got back to Dan Harmon, right? Like, I don't think it would have necessarily been poorly served if they had kept running it for another couple of seasons. I felt like they, 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 they got to where they needed to be by the end of it. Um, do you have strong opinions about season four? I, I'm going to have to talk more about it when I when I rewatch it. Uh, my default is that there are some real bangers. I think I talked about the puppet episode. Yeah, yeah. The puppet episode with Jason Alexander we talked about last week. I think that one is... Not all time, you know, community, but it is a like it is a good, solid, real community episode that deserves to kind of like be up there. I I think I would probably agree that the overall 
sort of, um, you know, season is marginally worse um, than the um, the overall season is marginally worse than than the other seasons are. Uh, but I think those margins are are like ultimately ultimately pretty slim. Uh, people who get really f crazy about the, they call it the gas leak year. People who get really crazy about the gas leak year, I think, are mostly. Uh, sort of, I, I, I sort of want to say like reacting performatively in a way. Um, I don't actually think it, it's borne out in in the way that the show itself is. Um, I, I will say I think that like uh, some of the misses in that season are like weighted towards the beginning. So like, sure. like I do think they needed time to find their stride on it, right? Like some of those early episodes felt, felt like, almost weirdly felt like somebody doing a parody of a community episode in a way, or like, you know, you know, Abed doing a, another show does a community episode type of deal. Right. Like, um, to be very meta about it. Um, so I'm glad that like, you know, like I said, I think, need, I think they need a little bit of a while to find it, but they, they did find it. I, I think when the early episodes are worse, it's very easy to confirm like, Oh, they got rid of the showrunner. It's going to be terrible. Right. Like when the early episodes are, are worse then it's easy to kind of like fall into that confirmation and kind of ignore the stuff that's like a little bit better later down the line. Um, yeah, I actually forgot that there are some things in here that are pretty bad. Uh, the Halloween episode where they're in Pierce's house. Yeah. Um, not, not super great. Um, Oh, Jeff and his dad for Thanksgiving. Wow, that was in this season. Yeah. Did not love that one. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, okay. So, the yeah, the puppet one is the second to last episode. Oh, the dance one. I actually kind of forget about that That Sadie Hawkins yeah. uh, dance episode. That one's actually pretty funny. Yeah. Um, Oh my god. Yeah, okay. You're right. It's the back end. The back end of the season is actually pretty good. The front end of the season, it seems like, is not great. That's okay. Cool. Yeah, so the thing that I've been watching is Andor, which we have to do. We have to do an episode. Okay. I, 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 you know what I tweeted? I tweeted. I saw um, it's something about how, like, the, if, for the people, like, Andor is my Mando, kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know what Star Wars nerd? This is what I said. I was like, Star Wars nerds who hated The Last Jedi say the Mandalorian is the Star Wars they've always wanted. That's me with, with Andor. Andor is the Star Wars that I've always wanted. Oh, my God. It captures everything that is so great about, like, the the world, um, you know, like, the, the feeling of... Um, uh, the Empire, right? Like, I think all of the stuff that makes the Rebellion era just, like, a really interesting era with this, like, omnipresent oppressive Empire that is, like, infiltrating all the, you know, like, all of the, the idiosyncrasies of people's lives, um, all that stuff. Um, and, uh, and you know, honestly, part of it is just, like, I, to I told this to Rachel, and Rachel uh, said that it was just because I sort of look like Diego Luna. Uh, I, I just love Diego Luna. He's so good. He, he's such a great, like, guy to be leading, to be leading a series like this. I'm only halfway through, um, so I've watched the first six episodes, um, and there are, there are 12, so there's, like, quite a ways to go. We'll sort of see where, you know, we'll sort of see where it comes down, um, on sort of, like, Star Wars stuff, but I think my, my... 
you know, Star Wars and I have been on again, off again, I guess, since uh, the, you know, 2019 debacle that was Rise of Skywalker. But I'm feeling very on again um, after the sort of one-two punch of Obi-Wan and Andor, um, which are both, you know, they just feel like they're Star Wars made uh, made for me. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, what else? Are you? Ooh, do you want to... Uh, <laughs> Do you want to do you want to trudge into the mud? Do you want to talk about Hogwarts legacy stuff? <laughs> Have I'm you seen that? Po- the okay, thing, I the thing like I'm Harry interested Potter, in, right? Like I've said this. I, right? no, no, so, okay, so he, the thing that I'm interested in is did you see the IGN thing? <laughs> yeah, well, like nine out of ten. Sure, I'm I don't, like like I also yeah. saw like there's a trans character in the game, and all the other people are like ah, oh, you know, chuds or whatever. It's like who cares? Like I I I. I I, I, think, I I was talking to a friend of mine who said uh, that he resented that Hogwarts Legacy became discourse, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. I I, obviously, I didn't care about the game, and I sort of get that because it, uh, you know, it is like, it, it seems to be the thing in gaming that people are talking about. And I almost wonder if it's just because it's something you can have a big argument about, right? Like, you can just, you just fucking fight about it, right? So... I have always maintained that Twitter isn't real life, right? True. Like, That's definitely true. That is definitely true, right? But, like, never have I been on the outside of something I care so little about that is taking up so much of the discourse that's like, God, I fucking hate <laughs> Twitter, right? Like, yeah. like, like, I was never going to play Hogwarts Legacy because I don't like Harry Potter, right? I don't... Yep care about the political implications about how much J.K. Rowling profits versus how much it's on the developers. I don't care because I don't like Harry Potter, right? Like, <laughs> uh, And, like, I just keep seeing these things pass by. It's like, oh, IGN gave it a 9 out of 10. Oh, there's, like, a trans character in, like, the opening scene. Oh, like, you know, it's a bad Destiny ripoff. Oh, it's actually not very good. I don't care. I just don't care. <laughs> Is there any world in which you would be like open to like reinterpreting re- reinterpreting your your view on um, uh, on Harry Potter? Right, like well, let's say it's a ten out of ten. People are saying it's better than Elden Ring. Would you give it a shot, or are you too like black pilled on Harry Potter to even like, like consider that? I don't think I'm black pilled so black pilled on Harry Potter to even consider that. But like, mm-hmm. there are like. If someone was like, this is like Elden Ring, but better, maybe I would. I just don't think I'm interested in, like, that type of game right now. Yeah. Right? Like, I guess there's a world in which I would play it if it was really that, like, hot. But, like, I I just can't, like... It would be hard for, the, for it to be, like, a game... Like, I can't imagine a world in which a, you know, named blockbuster property tie-in game is good enough like it is good enough and unique enough that i felt like i had to play it right did you play jedi survivor the star wars game from respawn uh no i own it now yeah. but I, I just like never got around to playing it right like, yeah me too that's a good one i actually we should we should go back to that yeah sarian recommended me that game he was like he was like you know like I'm sure this is on your radar or whatever, but like, you should play this. And I was like, I should, I should actually like sit down um, and, and go into it. It's funny because I kind of feel like that's what that's what Harry Potter is like trying to be is like trying to be a Star Wars, right? Um, where it's like oh, we can get away from Harry Potter himself, but we can like explore this world right. of like Hogwarts or whatever. I just think that that world is kind of like infertile, 
in, in compared to something like Star Wars, which is very fertile, or or any of these other sorts of universes that are similar. Warhammer would be another good example. Warhammer is very fertile for any yeah. of these kinds of games, such that I can play Vermintide, I can play Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, I can play Total War Warhammer, um, and all of those are completely disparate experiences, but like they feel in in kind of keeping with one another because the world is 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 very sort of like fertile for for the imagination. Um, I don't think that somebody could convince me that Harry Potter is the next Elden Ring just because I don't think that the world the world of Harry Potter could ever support that unless there are truly massive revisions and retcons you know like maybe there is a world in which you know 30 years from now we we do live in that but like you would have to completely redesign so many fundamental aspects of the way that yeah. world works in order to like entice me into it I think. part of the problem is is that the world of harry potter is about harry potter Right, like yeah. Harry Potter, the, the the character, right? He is the chosen one in a way that is very central to him, right? Like there is the world around it, but it feels like it's like less there than like like Star Wars in a lot of ways is the story of like the Skywalkers, right? Like, but like there's enough of the rest of the universe happening that it's like like you can still do things in its in its orbit. Um, I think Warhammer is even better at it than than Star Wars because like war, the Warhammer yep. universe is like kind of sort of about like. Carl Franz and like the uh, and like the the bigger geopolitical stuff, but like it like really doesn't trickle down to like the individual stuff like you get out of like Vermintide or whatever. Um, yep. Um, and it's also about like larger scale conflicts than like like you know individual people, right? Like I feel like I feel like a Dune game would have the same problems, right? Because like Dune is about like it is about the Atreides line. In a lot of ways, and yeah. Then, like the game, the books all kind of. Oh sim- yeah, it's like that. Do you remember that 4K game or 4X game that we were talking about? Uh, the the uh, the Dune game. Hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That came out, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That is like very intrinsic to the. You you are playing as the Atreides, right? Yeah. You, or you are playing as the Freeman, right? Or the Fremen. Um. Yeah. I. I mean. I, I think. I think part of it is like, how much the rest of everything is hinted at mattering. Right, like, it feels like in Star Wars, other things matter. It's mm-hmm. like, and I think Dune is like very well done, and other things matter in Dune. But like, so much of like, like, um, the Atreides line is such like an overriding force in the universe. It feels like everything else is kind of pointless, whereas it doesn't feel that way in Star Wars or, uh, um. Uh, or or Warhammer, right? And Harry Potter is like I think the Ur version, like is, is like the ultimate version of this, where like everything really is kind of about Harry Potter, right? Like, um, and not that that's like you know like that's perfectly fine for a story, but I don't think that it lends itself well to like a game adaptation uh, as such. Yeah, I also just think that the uh, the world building has a lot of issues that like yeah. how do you overcome them, right? How 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 would one make an RTS or like a four X game out of of you know like of Harry Potter am i like operating units of my military around a like a like a like a map or something like that it's like you know these fundamental things that exist in the universe of teleportation um or or whatever else um i feel like they kind of ruin uh your ability to to sort of like play with the universe in in a in like a fun or interesting yeah, way yeah i i agree I mean, part of part of that is just like instruction. Like part of that, I think, is sloppy writing, right? Like I have, mm. I have like, kind of, 
beating this drum a lot of times, right? Like, uh, fucking... What's the fucking sport? Um, Quidditch. Quidditch, yeah. Quidditch is a now, terrible now fucking Quidditch game. Sucks. We've, been, yeah. we've been over that. But, like, the plot device, like, you know, the existence of time turners is fucking ludicrous, right? Like, yep. they, like but we... we, we we have been over all this, like you said, but like also like there there's some aspects that that like you know for to the point like aren't aren't like right the writing's fault right like it's set in kind of like the pseudo modern world right like you can't do a four X game in the Harry Potter world because there's nothing to four X right like unless you're like I don't know playing wizard colonialists in like yeah I a, guess that's yeah I guess like, that's true Harry I just Potter mean to say I just for... mean to say like. I don't feel like Harry Potter lends itself to different genres. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like the the fundamentals of the game make it so that, or the fundamentals of the world make it so that I feel like I couldn't create a game um, that that makes sense, kind of along um, along those lines. Um, you know, obviously, uh, <laughs> yeah, obviously, be, it being set in the modern, you also can't really make a four X game out of like X Men, yeah. right? Because it is it is similar. <laughs> Even though I would say that X Men is a is a much more fertile sort of like yeah, yeah. you know piece of piece of world building, and there are really good X Men games out there that uh, that that you know um, deal with sort of like the mutants and and the Xavier Academy, all this other sort of stuff. Yeah, it's weird because like you don't get like kind of like everybody that's a wizard is kind of like a person. Right, in terms of like mm-hmm. how they act, like I guess and they can be better at different things, but it's not like, like, like X Men. Like the thing that popped in my head is like you could do like XCOM for X Men, right? Like, yep. and you could kind of sort the of do Midnight Suns, right? Marvel yeah. Midnight Suns is essentially that. Sure, right, yeah. Um, but you can't really do like XCOM for Harry Potter because like, how are the like you know, how are the wizards different? Do you like have Harry like ride around in a Quidditch broom, and like have? Hermione be slightly better at spells or or something like, um, yeah, no like, clue. I, I I think this version of the game, which seems to be like vaguely Destiny inspired, like is the way to do it. But it also is like pulling in like like this. Is, I think it might fall off in the same way that like the the Marvel kind of Destiny clone fell off, right? In that like he's like, yeah, you can like switch out gear, but it's like kind of weird because it's like this Hulk just like wear a different set of pants, right? Like, um. It feels yeah, the Marvel's Avengers that yeah. was made by Square Enix, they just discontinued that. Yeah, or, or in the process of discontinuing it. Um, speaking of which, sad news, Rumbleverse is going offline at the end of the month. Oh, I saw that! I'm so sorry. Yeah. I saw that and immediately my heart broke for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't played in a while, so, you know, I'm part of the mm-hmm. problem. And I really enjoyed uh. it. I, like, wish it because it stayed alive, but, like, you know, less than a year. It's funny how much we as gamers sort of fought for dedicated servers for a lot of these games. Um, and that ends up kind of being the thing that undoes uh, that undoes a lot of them. If Rumbleverse were some sort of like, you, do you remember like peer-to-peer lobby game, yeah, yeah. right? Like Killing Floor is like this, right? Where people are manually setting up their own sort of servers. That like tanks the overhead on these games. Killing Floor has been around for forever, right? And I bet that the players on something like Killing Floor and the players on something like Rumbleverse are actually pretty similar, all things considered. But, you know, the structure of them um, are just, you know, I don't know. It's, it's tough to to, yeah, uh, it's tough to put it all together. Yeah, and it's one of those things where like it kind of wouldn't be fun if like you know it was a peer peer to peer thing. You got into like a bad match, right? Like, um, but yeah, no, it's it's a shame. It's a shame. <sighs> I'm sorry, bud. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I'm looking forward to Street Fighter 
in June. That's like my next big. Do you have like anything big on your horizon? Diablo four ish, you know, like not not really. Just in terms of, um, it's gonna be a fun distraction. Is what I'm expecting, right? Yeah, that's fair. It's gonna be kind of uh, I don't know. I you know I it'll probably be coming around around the wow patch actually, and maybe it'll just get drowned out. Like that's kind of my current thing. I'm still pretty into Dragonflight. You know, I like logging in and doing my profession weeklies. I have a million different characters. You know, like um, I'm I I am living the dream of being that guy. I've had a couple of people personally reach out to me to recraft their gear, and you want to know why? It's the funniest thing. I didn't even fucking think about this when we were talking about crafting orders. It's because it was made by me, and they look me up. The, yeah. You know, it says made by Baron, and so they send me the rec- the recrafting order. And I was like, well, this is the shit. I am fu- I like I com- kind of completely forgot about it. And it's also been like because I've been farming pretty hard on Baron. I'm probably one of the better blacksmiths on the server at this point. Um, uh, and I've been doing the same thing on you know I I Baron and Tonric are a little bit different. Tonric is built for weapons. Baron is built for armor. Obviously. Um, I think I sent you a schematic but- I randomly found. I don't know if you or a. So, I did, yeah, I got. It. Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, and it's just, and it's like so at this point I can like I can do I can do a lot of um, uh, I can do a lot of stuff. I also have a third blacksmith, funny funnily enough, whose whole job is just to make the alloys. Um, I just spec'd him entirely into make alloy good, so that the other so that I could support kind of the other two. Um, and you know that like ecosystem is just like fun to to do and manage and it's easy to watch Andor while I'm flying around and you know farming my mining for the week or whatever it is um you know that kind of uh uh that kind of a thing but yeah so um and then the other one is Warhammer boy I don't know what's going on Total Warhammer 3 creative assembly you're fucking it up it has been five months since we've gotten any any content at ever like ever from them uh it's been a couple of bug face patches but like nothing nothing like new um and apparently we're not getting anything until quarter four I was, or, or i'm sorry quarter two and i was like the fuck we're going six months without without anything right like between you know september of um uh september of 2022 and we're gonna get into april may june maybe in order to get to the next dlc this is Crazy, especially because one of the things they talked about with Warhammer 3 was how successful the DLC for Warhammer 2 was. You want to know why that shit was successful? You put out a new DLC once every three months. Every quarter had a new DLC for me to for me to go pick up and get back and, and invest it in your game. I have no reason to do that. Um, and it sucks. I want to play Warhammer 3, but there's just like nothing new to do. Um, and uh, and the cra- and, and and they talked about how they actually made two DLC teams. There's like Team A and Team B, and Team A works on one DLC while Team B works on another, and they have alternate sort of cycles, right? So the idea is that instead of having one team doing three months sort of release cycles, they have two teams doing six-month release cycles. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, how... I don't know. I, I I guess any new structure like that is bound to be tough, and it you, you know, and they're probably like flubbing it on on some level. Um, but uh, boy, are they flubbing it right now! I want to play Warhammer Three. This would be perfect. It would be perfect for the one year anniversary of Total War Warhammer Three if we could get a, a, a like a big juicy, you know, Chaos Dwarves DLC or something kind of along those lines. Uh, but yeah, nowhere nowhere on the horizon. Um, so I guess I, I guess I guess I'm waiting. I guess I'm waiting for that. Uh, the only other thing on my mind actually is the sequel to Jedi Survivor. Um, the reason I mentioned it is because I was like, oh, that sequel is coming out in April. Um, oh, it was really? supposed to come out soon. Yeah, it got delayed to April actually. Okay. Um, 
and uh, and I was like, I should do it. I should I, like commit to to you know getting into getting into Jedi Survivor. Uh, but for right now, we're playing Yoshi Story, I guess. So there we there we are. Yeah, I feel <laughs> that. Um, when did, so the only other thing on my radar is um, Quantum Mania comes out in a couple weeks, um, which I'm oh, very true. Exci- I'm very excited for. The new Fast yeah. and Furious comes out in like May, right? Uh, yeah, F F ten. Uh, when does F ten come out? Oh my God, movie! Show me movie. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy! Yeah, May May twenty twenty three. So. Yeah. No, we, uh, yeah. Shazam. Get... The other, the only other oh, one right. that that we're we're talking about is Shazam: Fury of the Gods. When does yeah, that come so out? It's coming out soon. Uh. Shazam, Fury of the Gods coming out March 2017 or March 17th rather. Um, so you know that that's that's something that's yeah. that's that's cool. That's how, nice. how do you feel about um, uh, about Henry not being super anymore? Hate it. I hate it a lot. I think it's bad and dumb. Uh, I think Henry Cavill is amazing, and I think that they are idiots for not going for it. But you know what? I'm not going to be that bad because Jason Momoa is reportedly staying as Aquaman, which, to be fair, Aquaman made a billion dollars. But also, to be fair, Jason Momoa rocks, and he's so good, and I just want, you know, uh, Aquaman 2 to be amazing i don't know my 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 current thing with the dcu is i'm i'm willing to extend a lot of leeway i think james gunn's a real smart guy um i am very excited for dc properties to to have sort of somebody at the head with the level of leadership that 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 kind of like kevin feige uh had for marvel and them tapping sort of this accomplished director from the other from the other side is like the perfect um kind of thing for that my understanding is um that quite a lot has been that quite a lot has been sort of like tossed um but that they're also keeping around things that that have been working so for instance um the batman sequel is is its own thing and they're more or less letting matt reeves do whatever he wants i think that's perfect and they're they're saying you know you don't have to make it it's not part of the cinematic universe robert pattinson it's not going to be the Batman and whatever, right? He's just like he's just this guy, um, and uh, and I think that that is maybe the thing that I find most intriguing about all of this is creating this ex- this extra space, calling it Elseworlds, is creating this extra space where people can do cool and interesting things with DC properties like Joker or. Um, or the Batman, or uh, they even mentioned Teen Titans Go along these sorts of lines. Um, but then there is the main kind of DCU that is going to be that is going to be kind of kicking kicking into gear, um, and um, all that stuff is going to kind of be the rival to Marvel when it when it comes to this stuff. That that I don't know. I don't have any more complex thoughts about it. I think getting rid of Henry Cavill is dumb. But what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I did see rumors that like they might keep Ezra Miller, which is wild, but like, you know, I also don't know. So, you know. We'll see. Um, I also don't know. I don't I don't know about any of that. <laughs> but yeah, games-wise like I said, big ones for me are Street Fighter 6 and um and Diablo 4. You might want to check out Street Fighter 6. They've got like a new um control scheme that's like I think I told you about this. It's like melee style, or you know, Smash Brothers. Style. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You you mentioned right, that yeah. the the Smash Brothers thing. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. But I will definitely be playing that when that comes out because uh, I do love me some Street Fighter. 
Um, Hell yeah. Uh, uh, the comment that The Flash is the best superhero movie was weird as hell to me, given all the Ezra Miller insanity. You know what? I, to be completely honest with you, I get that. But I am also willing to believe that The Flash is going to be sweet. Um, just because uh, it actually has a pretty good team behind it all, all things considered um yeah andy what's it called is the guy who did the it movies uh he's he's pretty talented it's written by you know this this pair of screenwriters who i liked a lot do you remember game night from a couple of years ago that i that I described as just like being one of the randomly yeah. funniest movies in a long time it's written by those it's written by those guys um you know they got michael keaton uh apparently batfleck is back for uh, for you know, some amount, some like real amount of the Flash. You know, I don't know. There's there's cool stuff in there. Yeah, I mean, Ezra Miller might be a shitbag, right? Like, yeah. So is Tom Cruise. He's a great fucking actor, right? Like, you know, um, true. So you know, I like I I can separate the art from the artist there. Um, doesn't mean that I you know I I think that's maybe smart to keep him on. Um, I did like the the the, the posts that were like. <laughs> Ezra Miller turning into the reverse Flash before our eyes, right? Like, I, that would be... It was me, Barry! Um, but, uh... Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, we've gone over time. I got out of things to say. But you have anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? I have nothing else on my on my mind. Um, it just seems like an odd franchise to be sticking to. It hasn't been released, hasn't been proven problematic star. Yeah, I definitely... Uh, I definitely... Agree. Well, yeah, so the thing is, is that... Okay. The Henry Cavill stuff is a little is a little more complicated than that because Henry Cavill apparently there's this power struggle in the studio where The Rock was trying to really muscle in with Black Adam and take over kind of control of like um, the 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 DCU and he ended up in this whole like kerfuffle and Henry Cavill is sort of a casualty of that because he was part of The Rock's thing. This coup sort of failed, right? Um, and so Henry Cavill gets gets ousted for that reason. That is my understanding. That is my understanding. To the best of my understanding, um, how how kind of that stuff works and, you know, why... Uh, I, I had also heard, and maybe this is just like an unfounded rumor that I heard somewhere else, but like, like James Gunn was going to do a, a black Superman, and that was part of it. Obviously, Henry Cavill cannot be a black Superman. Um, oh, the Black Superman thing is real, it, but it's a, it's a completely different project. Oh, okay. it's Black Superman is um, uh, who's the fucking who's the Creed guy? Michael B. Jordan. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he's from Newark, actually. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah. He, it's funny because like you know, so Maplewood and Newark are right next to each other. Uh, he like he started sh- shooting the wire, basically. Uh, you know, and, and he that, that's like his whole sort of origin story, but. He really loves like like anime and stuff like that. Uh, like he loves Dragon Ball Z. He loves he loves Naruto, and he's poured a bunch of money back into uh, into Newark, like right along uh, Springfield Avenue, which is which is where Maplewood and Irvington and all that stuff is. Yeah. Well, if he's a real anyway. nerd, he's you know well suited to be the next Superman. Then right, True. just like Henry. True. That's that's what we need. We need like Superman talk and Henry and, and Michael B. Jordan <laughs> talking nerd shit. Um, yeah, I imagine that project is going to sit in the Elseworlds thing, yeah, just like the Robert sense. Pattinson thing. You know what I mean? They're not going to worry too much about it. Uh, all right. Well, with that, I'm going to say uh, if you want to tell us 
about any of the stuff we talked about this podcast, you can email us at derpsplaygames.gmail.com or podcast.derpsplaygames.com. Follow us at twitch.tv slash derpsplaygames or youtube.com slash at some Um where these go out live. Um, as you can see, we respond to the chat as I check to make sure no one has chatted us in YouTube and they have not. Um, so, you know, feel free to jump in and contribute. Um, uh, that's everything I have. Buddy, you have anything else you're looking to promote? Um... I have nothing else. Well, actually, I do have a small thing to promote. This week on the Aquapar Games Twitch channel, which is going to be at uh, 10 a.m. Pacific, I'm going to be playing Zoetti for the first time. Zoetti is a game that uh, has been in development for a long, long time. I've talked about it before on the cast. Um, you know, you're, you're using, like, poker hands in order to do, like, a roguelike deck builder sort of experience. Um, it's very cool. I have had a ton of fun with it. Uh, and I'm I, this is the first time that people are going to actually be able to see, uh, to see it in, in development. So there we go. A little announcement. That's that's what this stream is on Friday. Awesome. Well, I'm going to say with that, until next time, loyal listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs>